When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is the Dan Grasso Show. I mean, I don't care what side of this rivalry you're on. I don't care who you root for. It is hard to come away from the first two games of this series and draw any other conclusion except the fact that the Rangers have unquestionably been the best team in this series, and it's not even close. Get ready for game three, and no one's... Uh... Over the moon here is a long way to go. I think everybody knows that. And I'll leave you with this one before we get some calls up here. This is the second time in the history of the Rangers that they have won their first two playoff games by four or more goals. The other time it happened, 1994. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776 is your telephone number. Joe and Harvey along for the ride as well, producing the program. Anita's coming up at about 60 minutes from now. You can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. And we'll start off this hour with where we started off the program once upon a time earlier this morning, and that was with the effort last night by the hometown basketball team at MSG. Place was rocking. Place was in a frenzy. Roof was ready to come off of the garden. And guess what? wasn't even a virtuoso Nick performance. You know, it was ugly at times. But guess what? You don't care about that, right? Scoreboard says the Knicks were plus 20, and that's all that matters because now they got a two-games-to-one lead in the series. Mission accomplished. And, you know, there was a lot of nostalgia. I wasn't in the building last night, but you're just seeing some of the images and you, you, the, the pictures and you hear the sounds. And if you're old enough to remember, that's kind of how that building used to be this time of year. You know, once upon a time, once late April and May rolled around in the calendar, like Madison Square Garden was the place. And you expect it to be there pretty much with regularity, right? You had the Knicks one night, got the Rangers the next night. Like, that That was, that was once a thing. And I don't know if we're legitimately back to those days again, like on a consistent basis, but we are right now. We are in 2023, and I think that's all that matters to you if you're a fan. Enjoy it for what it is right now. And the Knicks, look, that was an ugly start to the game last night for both of these teams. Nobody could make a basket. But the defense didn't go away for the Knicks, and they kept applying the pressure. And as bad as the first quarter was for Cleveland, guess what? Second quarter was even worse, and the Knicks started to find their game a little bit. And how about our boy R.J. Barrett, our guy? Mr. Popularity, R.J. R.J. Barrett, everybody's hero. The guy that everybody is in agreement over. (laughs) But all kidding aside, I mean, he was the best player on the floor in the first half last night. You know, the Knicks have that halftime lead without R.J. Barrett. So while nobody can make a shot, R.J. could. He was the best player in the first half last night. And I think he... Out of all the guys that we had question marks about coming into the game, he was the one that clearly answered all your questions. And it had to be that way for the Knicks to be victorious in game number three. So he was good last night. Emmanuel quickly, who we wanted to see more from, based off of his performance in Cleveland in the first two games. Emmanuel quickly off the bench last night. 
did what we're accustomed to seeing him. He didn't have to score as much as he normally does either. But he was efficient, and he was fueled by that home crowd, I think, a little bit there as well. The only kind of knock last night with individual performances that you looked at for, you know, guys that you wanted to see maybe pick it up a little bit would be Quentin Grimes. You know, and he got hurt in the second quarter, and we don't know what his status is going to be for tomorrow's game with that shoulder. You know, they're going to have to get a little bit creative if he's out of the lineup. You know, what do you do? It looks like, you know, if he can't go, then probably Tibbs is going to put him in, uh, put Josh Hart in the starting lineup because Hart was the guy who started the second half when Grimes couldn't return. But, you know, he was struggling a little bit early on shooting the ball. Other than that, a lot to be happy about. A lot to be happy about. And things were so good for the Knicks last night that you kind of overlooked the fact that Julius Randle wasn't exactly in tip-top form last night. You know, he was only 3 of 15 from the floor. He struggled. But it says a lot about this team and the contributions that they're capable of getting from everybody involved that your best player could go out there, struggle from the floor, and you still win by 20 points. That's the sign of a good team. But that can't continue. And really, since that game one, you know, Randall has kind of been off a little bit the last two games. But Knicks are still ahead in the series. So can you imagine if you could finally get everybody working together and playing as one at the same time? Then that's when this thing could really be special. If Randall's in rhythm, Barrett's in rhythm, quickly, Jalen Brunson, you name it. That's when the Knicks are going to look like world beaters, and they have at times this season. But playoff basketball is a different beast. You know, we're seeing that right now in the Rangers-Devils series with the NHL, and clearly you already know this in the NBA. And tomorrow's not going to be easy. You could bet that you are going to get the best version of the Cleveland Cavaliers in that game tomorrow afternoon. Now, what's interesting, though, is that Darius Garland, who was the Cavaliers' best player in their Game 2 victory, right? I mean, he was outstanding. He was nowhere to be found last night. Shot 4 of 21 from the field. That was a guy who I think was impacted by that Garden crowd last night. Lights were a little too bright for Darius Garland. And he nicked up his ankle late in the game, too, so you don't know what kind of carryover that's going to have for the game tomorrow. You know, with the quick turnaround playing at a, a 1 o'clock tip. But that's what this whole thing is about here when you try to beat a team like Cleveland. You know, Donovan Mitchell is somebody that he's such a great singular talent that he'll probably go off and get his. He'll load up the stat sheet. But it's those other guys on the team that you can't allow to beat you. You know, game number two, Darius Garland beat the Knicks. Karis LeVert off the bench beat the Knicks. And I thought it was interesting, too, because we mentioned this a little bit earlier in the show. You know, J.B. Bickerstaff, when you're talking about adjustments and, you know, how to change some things around, J.B. Bickerstaff made a change to his starting lineup last night. And he put Karis LeVert in the starting lineup, and he put Isaac Okoro on the bench. Okoro's a guy who's known primarily for defense. Right, He's probably Cleveland's best perimeter defender. Put him on the bench, put Levert in the starting lineup. You know, Levert was okay, but it just completely drained Cleveland's bench of any sort of production offensively at all. And that was a big, big advantage for the Knicks last night. They outscored Cleveland's bench by 25 points. And that was, again, one of the byproducts, I think, of what that Garden hometown crowd was going to be able to provide for them. And you saw it. And so that's why, like, you know, it, it's tricky because we want to find out what happens with Grimes. Like, can he go? Can he not go? But, you know, even if he's able to play, you know that he's going to be hampered a little bit by that shoulder because it was bad enough to keep him out of the second half of the game. 
But the way things got going for the Knicks, quickly back scoring the basketball. Josh Hart was kind of back to his normal self last night off the bench. You don't want to take away from that. Because it's one thing playing your starters heavy minutes, but if it's going to come at a detriment to where they're going to be able to produce at the level that we're expecting them to, then that's where you need the rest of your guys. So that's a little bit of a tricky spot going into tomorrow. Other than that, I think you're just going to get a better performance from Cleveland tomorrow. The 1 o'clock start is, a, is, is unique in the sense that I don't think that place is going to be as fired up as it was last night. And, 830, and think about it, 8.30 on a Friday night. You know, you got a lot of time to get ready for that game. You know, you probably went to, you know, a local watering hole around the garden last night before you got into the building. You know, maybe had a couple of warm-up beverages, and then you got in there and, and worked yourself up into a frenzy. So by the time they threw that ball in the air at 8.30, you know, it was a madhouse. That's not going to be the case tomorrow at 1 o'clock, right? You know, I can't see people, you know, getting out of their local uh, church service on Sunday morning and all of a sudden walking right into Madison Square Garden in their Sunday best and expect to uh, be wild people cheering on the Knicks, getting ready to go up 3-1 on the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I think that that game tomorrow is going to be one of those. I think the Knicks are going to almost have to give the crowd something to get worked up into a frenzy over. I don't think it's gonna, just going to be bonkers from the get-go. So this is a tough one. And yes, it's one that you absolutely want to have if you are the Knickerbockers. Absolutely. Because if you go up 3-1, and then you just got to win one of the next three, you got to like your chances. You got to like your chances. You know, the difference between tomorrow and, let's say, game two, when the Knicks won game one on the road and accomplished their goal of taking home court advantage, I said I thought game two was kind of house money. It was a gravy game. And unfortunately for the Knicks, they went out and kind of played like it. And Cleveland, the more desperate team, won game two. Now they win again last night, go up 2-1. I look at tomorrow a little bit differently. Just because as, as the series goes longer, they get a little bit more important each game, as we know. So you want to give yourself as much of a safety net and as much room for error as possible. Get the game on your home court. Don't give Cleveland a reason to believe that they're in this thing. And it's not going to be easy tomorrow. I expect you to see the best of Donovan Mitchell in that game tomorrow. Knicks are going to have to be even better than they were last night. Because at the end of the day, these are still two evenly matched teams. I really and truly believe that. Four or five series, that's what they're supposed to be. And I don't think we've heard the last of Mitchell, and I certainly don't think we've heard the last of the Cavaliers in this best of seven. But it was a fun night overall. You hope it carries over. I'm glad that tomorrow's game, you know, you don't have that extra day in between. Because the longer delay, I think, benefits the team that has to get up off the mat here. Knicks, they got all the momentum. One day off, boom, come back. Matinee tomorrow, not even a full 48 hours. Get right back out there and make magic happen again. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Hey, Derek Rose even got into the game last night. We haven't even mentioned that. You know things are going good when Derrick Rose gets in the game and plays even a couple of minutes. I really don't know. Like, see, I don't get that. It's not like Derrick Rose really has any, like, local ties to New York. I just don't understand, like, why the fans love Derrick Rose that much. You know, it's not like it's Chicago or it's not like one of his old st- – I mean, I, they love this guy. The guy's barely played since New Year's. 
But anytime he can get in at the end of a playoff game and to satisfy the crowd a little bit more and it's in a Nick win, guess nothing could be better. 800-919-3776. That is the number. We'll get your calls back up here. We'll also get into the baseball from last night. Some good, some bad. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. It's time now for MLB Round Trippers, driven by Coach USA. And how about our buddy Pete Alonzo? Tenth home run last night, first in the big leagues to double digits. He's on pace for 77 Still got a lot of work to do to keep up that pace, though. Uh, but he goes deep again in the Mets' victory. Oswaldo Cabrera hits his first of the season for the Bombers last night, the only offense they were really able to produce against the Blue Jays. Meantime, you had Vlad Jr. hitting his fourth in the first inning off of Herman. Brandon Belt is first of the season for the Jays in the Bronx. That is your MLB round. Trippers driven by Coach USA. Make your commute to the city easy on a Coach USA bus. For schedules and fares, go to CoachUSA.com or download the Coach USA app to buy, store, and scan your tickets. How about a little baseball talk here? Uh, you had some good and some bad, depending on what side of the city that you cheer for. You might as well get the good out of the way. And that was last night out in San Francisco and the job that Joey LaCasey did in helping the Mets blank the Giants 7-0. And Hey, no other way to cut it. Numbers are what the numbers are. Mets are 7-1 on this West Coast trip so far. 7-1. and freaking one. Now, look, I understand the Oakland A's are a joke, even though they won last night in Texas, by the way. Uh, it was only their fourth win of the season. A's are a joke. They sweep them. They take two out of three in L.A. against the Dodgers, especially that one on Wednesday afternoon, which I thought was a real, real good win, the one that Scherzer got uh, thrown out of the game, to come from behind shorthanded like they did and win that one. You know, Jimmy Yacobonis picking up the slack. I thought that was a real good performance. Winning the first two in San Francisco. I know the Giants are not their usual selves. They look like they could be in for a long season, but they're doing all this without a day off. Pitching staff decimated with injuries here, and they've done a real, real nice job to the point where you know, even if they lose the next two games, you know, with David Peterson and Tyler McGill pitching the next couple of days, all right, whatever. Seven and three trip, anybody will sign up for that. But, you know, get one of the next two. Why not? Make it an eight and two trip. And if you get pitching like you got last night from Joey LaCasey, of all people, who hasn't thrown a pitch on a big league mound in two years, coming back from Tommy John surgery, first Mets pitcher to actually throw a pitch starting pitcher in the seventh inning this season. 
If I would have told you it would be Joey LaCasey, you would have thought that, you know, I should be drug tested. But a phenomenal, phenomenal outing from the left-hander. And, you know, let's see what he does for an encore. We're not getting ready to put him in the Hall of Fame just yet, but he has an opportunity with all these injuries. He's going to have a chance to stick around a little bit right now because, um, you know, Peterson's going to go today. I don't think he's done anything per se to grab the bull by the horns and cement his spot in this rotation. I don't trust Peterson all that much. So who knows? If he continues to kind of just be so-so at best and Lucchese strings a couple of decent games together, you know what? That's a guy who's going to get a spot. They're going to pitch the best guys. Plain and simple. How about Lucchese doing it last night in kind of, you know, his neck of the woods where he grew up in the East Bay? Had his parents there to see him pitch last night. Take a listen. I was, like, nervous because I always tell my parents don't come to my games because I get nervous when they're there. So my dad would just stay home. I was like, you know what? Like, they deserve to see me, you know? It's been, like, two years. You never know how long your career will last. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to invite my family, though. I'm glad they got to experience it firsthand. And what does this type of an outing mean to you? This outing just feels so good to, like, get under my belt. And I'm super grateful to be up here with the team and be able to pitch like I did for the team. And my family was here. My parents were here. Having them see me pitch like that. I'm just super grateful to be up here. Hey, Mets will take a few more of those from Joey LaCasey. No other way around it. So you get the pitching side of things, and then – it really is remarkable the type of start that Pete Alonso is off to. And this is a guy who, you know, another year of control after this. But he's playing for a new contract, and he's seen a lot of his contemporaries around the league getting the big money contracts, uh, and the team's locking him up. You know, the Mets gave Jeff McNeil already a deal, and, you know, they had some talks with Pete, but Pete's going to command top dollar. He's probably putting himself in position to get paid over $200 bucks in whatever contract this happens. He dropped some weight during the offseason. He's gotten real good shape. He's got 10 home runs here already. Four more RBIs last night. Pete after the game last night talking about his hot start to the season. Do we All have I a want lot? to do every single night is go out there and play my best. And I'm extremely happy with how I've been able to capitalize. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy with myself, but I just want to continue to, to stay within myself, play my game, and, and do what I can to help the team win every night. It's a long season, and we're not talking about, you know, setting records and this type of thing, but he's actually on a, a uh, better pace right now through 20 games than Judge was last year when he hit his 62. So it's all about staying healthy, staying productive, but, you know, the Mets have done a nice job here. Guys like Alonzo, guys like McNeil, Nimmo, you know, while the pitching staff still tries to find its way, those three guys have done a nice job for this team. Last two games they've played without Starling Marte who's bothered by his sore neck a little bit. And the other thing about the Mets, while they continue to do all this damage on the road trip, you realize the Mets have played the fewest home games in the National League this year? They've only played six home games. So they're going to get home and finally get to sleep in their own beds and home cooking and all those type of things here pretty soon, and they're going to have a bunch of extra wins in their pocket, which is never, never a bad thing when you're talking about that side of stuff. As far as the Yankees are concerned, uh, they fell into a 2 nothing hole there in the first inning. When Vlad Jr. took Domingo Herman out of the ballpark, Herman settled in, which I thought was important the rest of the way. But the Yankee bats just never, never got anything going. I mean, they only mustered two hits after the second inning of that game. And I know that it's early, of course, and we're not pushing the panic button. But, you know, they missed Giancarlo Stanton here a little bit. Because since he went down with the hamstring injury, 
Yankees have scored three runs or less in four out of the five games without Stanton. You know, they had that lopsided game a couple of days ago against the Halos where they put up that five spot in the first inning. But other than that, they're, they're, they're searching for some answers here offensively. Uh, and Toronto's a real good team, as we know. And the, the Blue Jays, the Rays, Yankees, I mean, they're going to butt heads, of course, all summer long in this American League East. So that's why I think this is an important weekend for them. You're at home. You want to be able to take this series against the Jays. And today's a real interesting pitching matchup because you got Garrett Cole, who's been as good as anybody so far here to begin the season, and you got Alec Manoa for the Blue Jays. Now, Manoa's gotten off to a slow start this year, but he's one of the top young arms in the game. He was a finalist for the Cy Young a season ago, and if you remember, he and Cole got into a little war of words last season when Manoa – um, you know, plunked one of the Yankee batters. You had Cole kind of, you know, mouthing at him from the dugout, and then Manoa called him out after the game saying, well, why don't you, you know, walk past the Audi sign on the field if you really want to threaten me? And then in the offseason, Manoa went on some uh, television show up there in Canada with Serge Ibaka, of all people, and, and called Garrett Cole essentially one of the biggest cheaters in the game because of all the sticky stuff and the spider tech. So, now this is the first time that uh, he is going to be facing this lineup, and you know that Cole's going to want to have something to prove. You know, Manoa is certainly going to want to have his best performance in the Bronx, where he actually made his big league debut a couple of years ago uh, against the Yankees. So this should be a fun one this afternoon. And how about Vlad Jr.? Before we get back to the calls, how about Vlad Jr.? Talking to the media, um, I think it was before yesterday's game, when talking about his future and the Yankees in particular, and he said, I'll never play for the Yankees. It's personal, but I'll never wear a Yankee uniform. And then in the ninth inning last night, he got drilled by a pitch. Wonder if there's going to be any sort of carryover with today's game. Because you got the right guy on the mound in Manoa, right? One night or one day later, see if there's any sort of retribution for one of the Yankees. So that bears watching early on uh, in the Bronx this afternoon. 800-919-3776. Joe in Limbrook is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Joseph, good morning. How are you? Good, Dan. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, regarding the Mets, um, you know, when uh, between the Edwin Diaz injury and then opening day, finding out about Verlander, I'll be honest, I started looking at the class, free agent class of 2024 on, on opening day, um, kind of, you know, just expecting a typical Mets swoon. But it's been a great start, uh, especially seeing – Guys stepping up with, like you said, just throwing together a piecemeal rotation so far this season. Um, and with regards to Alonzo, uh, you know, there's, I mean, I don't know if you had mentioned it, and I know they showed a stat, uh, um, I think it was last week. Uh, since he's been in the MLB, I think he's like top or top four in, in home runs, RBIs, games played, like you mentioned, availability, not getting injured, keep things there. I think he won't be – I think the Mets have two more years of um, arbitration eligibility with him, I think. So he's technically – Right. After, it's after next year. It's after next year. Right. But, I mean, you know, everybody was making a joke last year with, with uh, Judge. Price goes up, price goes up. And I know they, you know, with war and the metrics today, first base and honest value that they were, I think they said Pujols was the last guy to get a, a $300 million uh, uh, contract as a first baseman. Um, I just – like they said, if the price keeps going up, I really hope they lock up Alonzo. I mean, I would think $30 million at this point for like eight or nine, ten years, whatever it would be, would be a bargain. I mean, this guy loves being a Met, it seems. He's one of our guys. The fans love him. And I just really hope, I mean, like you said, you know, you don't expect 77 home runs, but I hope this guy puts on a show this year and earns every last penny that 
they better give him. Because if they lose Alonzo after the Degrom thing this past season, I don't know how uh, you know Mets fans would be able to deal with that. So I hope you know. I don't know what the machinations are with contracts and stuff, but I think the sooner they can get this guy long term, I know they extended McNeil um, this off season, the better. And uh, let's go Mets. Thanks for taking the call. Joey, thank you for the phone call, and you're right. I mean, the thing is, and this is good for Pete, I mean, the price keeps going up, right? No other way around it. The price keeps increasing for Pete Alonso, and he's going out there and doing damage and hitting home runs and that type of thing. He's driving up his own price, which is good for him. And, look, this isn't the old days with the Mets, right? It's not the Wilpon-owned Mets, meaning Steve Cohen's going to have the money. Steve Cohen's going to do what it takes to make sure that Pete Alonso is a Met for the foreseeable future. And the longer you wait, it's going to cost him probably a couple of more zeros in the old checkbook. I don't know if you want to take a comparison, by the way. I'm just throwing this out there. Austin Riley of the Braves. Okay, maybe he doesn't have, you know, the, the, the total in terms of production that a Pete Alonso has had, but Austin Riley was a guy who debuted the same year as Alonso back in 2019. Um, And Austin Riley has been part of a world championship team, but he's had, you know, a couple of really, really good seasons, right? And the Braves locked him up. They gave him a 10-year deal. I think it was $212 million. I think Pete Alonso would probably be in the same category there, Maybe, maybe a little bit more. You know, the fact it's New York, lights are a little bit brighter. How about 10 years, 250? Or if you don't want to go maybe that length, maybe you go eight, nine years, 270, somewhere around there, if he continues to produce at this clip. That's what it's going to take. You know, what's the old saying? Yesterday's price ain't today's price. And Pete Alonso is the one proving that true. 800-919-3776. More of your calls coming up next. A couple of thoughts here on the NFL as well. Big week ahead with the draft. Giants still trying to figure out how they can get Saquon's name on a contract. We'll do it all before we hand things over to Anita coming up at the top of the hour. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Remember, you got Game 3, Rangers-Devils coming up tonight. Coverage beginning at 7.30 with the pregame show. Don will have a bridge program from 7 to 7.30, leading you right into pregame. And then the puck drops at 8. Devils trying to get back in the series. Rangers trying to continue to flex their muscles and go up 3-0 and pretty much, pretty much put this series to bed. It's hockey, man. victory this evening. Let us say hi to... Joe in Northport, who's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Joe, how we doing? Good. How about yourself? What's up, Joe? Big, big Knicks fan from back in the day. Listen to the Knicks with their championship series with a transistor radio under my pillow. Oh, yeah. So we're going back that far. Nice. And um, I, think, I don't think you're looking deep enough on Randall. Um, last year, 
He did two years ago. He was awful in the Atlanta playoff series. Correct. Um, he's hesitant on his shots, and I think he I think he he chokes towards the end of games. His clutch uh, percentages, if you look at that those stats on clutch players, um, I think he shoots like forty percent from the free throw line, and you know. He when you can tell when he stands on the free throw line, and he takes a little bit more time than he usually does, he misses. When he brings the ball into the lane, sometimes, many times, and he has a ten to twelve foot shot, he passes it out. And I know he you know had some some assists and they won anyway, so on and so forth. But when it gets to crunch time. And you have a team that can play good defense with everybody else. Now, I know Cleveland is a great defensive team, mm-hmm. but they need for him to come in clutch. You know, the Milwaukee, Boston Celtics, or even Cleveland, they're going to take away Barrett's left-hand drive. That's what he's got. That's he a goes left. Report. right. Yeah, yeah, he hit a couple of three-pointers, but I don't want him taking them, to tell you the truth. That's not but his strength. That's he, not his game. No, not at all. But Randall really needs to come through. And if he doesn't in these playoffs, uh, during the offseason, he, uh, he should get orthoscopic surgery to re- remove the apple from his throat. Joey, thanks for the phone call. He- he- here's the thing. When you're winning, everything is good. Right? When you're winning, everything is fine. When you're losing, you're going to sit there and try to point fingers and blame somebody. The guy who makes the most money, the guy who's, you know, got all the individual accolades, and in this case, it's Randall. He's the one that's going to be called out. A couple of years ago in that Hawks series, he didn't play well. Nobody on the team played well. And they got outclassed by the Hawks. And so, of course, it was just pile on Julius Randall. Get it. And then he followed it up last year with a disappointing season, production-wise, team-wise, you know, his disposition, sulking, you name it, ornery. It wasn't a good look all around. Came back this year, committed, had the best season he's ever had in his NBA career, all-star, you name it. And then he gets hurt at the end of the year. And we didn't know if he was even going to be able to play game number one of this series. Not only does he play, I think by and large plays a pretty good game, all things considered, helps them steal home court advantage on the road, And then he wasn't good in game number two. But nobody was good in game number two. Last night, the Knicks win. You know, they have a good night at the Garden, but it wasn't a good game for Randall. But you notice since that first game, nobody's bringing up the fact, well, how's the ankle? Because it just didn't, like, magically go away. Like, that ankle for Julius Randall, it's not going to heal until the Knicks season is over. And he gets off his feet, and he doesn't play basketball for two months. That's when that thing is finally going to be 100%. So right now, if you're going to look at his performance and say that he's scuffling a little bit here the last couple of games, I wonder what is it going to take before you start to once again question how healthy or how hurt is he? You know what it's going to take probably? It's going to take another loss. If the Knicks lose tomorrow, Randall plays bad again, I guarantee you before you get to game number five, it's going to be, well, maybe Randall's hurt more, a little bit more than everybody's letting on. Because the winning covers up a lot of all that other stuff. And we'll see what happens. Like I said, I, tomorrow is not going to be easy. You have to expect, and I'm sure that 
Tom Thibodeau is hammering that home to his guys. You have to expect the best version of the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow because for all intents and purposes, I think it's their season. Knicks win tomorrow and go up 3-1. They're winning this series. Not a question of if, but when. It will happen. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So 1 o'clock tip tomorrow, 1230 pregame, of course, right here, 98.7 ESPN. As far as the Giants are concerned, all right, they got the draft coming up this week, just like the other 31 teams do, not just them. But they're picking 25. And, yeah, there's some things that you'd like to shore up when you're talking about the Giants. If, if you're asking me right now, and I don't know how the board, and we're going to hear plenty of that, I don't know how the board is going to play itself out. None of us do. Don't know if they're even going to stand pat at 25, could move up, could move down. That, that, that's the beauty of the draft. I have no idea. But if you're telling me they're standing pat at 25, I think that the biggest area of need that I look to for them, I say, would still probably be corner. You know, and that also seems like the part of the first round where you could still probably get some good value there. You know, you can never have too many corners, especially with the way that they play defense with Wink Martindale, and he loves to blitz, and which means you're putting your guys out there on an island, and a lot of it is going to have to be man coverage. Giants got decimated with injuries last year at that position, and they were really just like signing dudes off the street and throwing them in there. Um, you know, playing heavy minutes and heavy snaps. I think that's probably an area that they would like to go. Um, yeah, you can maybe go out there and still get another weapon for Daniel Jones offensively, whether it's, you know, another wide receiver. But you could do that later on in the draft. Giants have 10 picks. You know, they've got 10 picks in this draft. Don't know if they're going to keep them all. Don't know if they're going to use them all. But you can go out there and get a couple of pass catchers at some point in the mid to later rounds. Maybe even in, you know, even earlier than that. Who knows? But I don't think a first-round pick is going to be a wide receiver for the New York Giants. Now, you look at Saquon. They put the franchise tag on him. Still hasn't signed it because in a perfect world, Saquon wants a long-term contract. No player wants the franchise tag. You know, it's an insult to them. They want some more security. Even though, you know what, one year, 10 million bucks, it's a nice paycheck if you can get it. And that's going to have to be the last resort situation when it comes to Saquon Barkley and where things stand right now. But the good news is, is that it's only April 22nd. Season doesn't start till September. Training camp doesn't start till late July. Giants have until July the 17th to have Saquon either sign the tender or work out a long-term contract. So there's still almost three months for them to hammer something out. And, you know, at this time of the year, like we just got done talking about, it's draft week. That's where the emphasis and that's where the priority stands right now for not just Joe Shane, but with all the other teams and general managers in the league. So Joe Shane had his pre-draft press conference earlier this week. Joe Douglas is going to have his coming up on Tuesday, I believe. But, you know, they, they, these, they don't say anything anyway. So what are they going to do? They're going to tell you who they're going to pick? They're going to tell you how their board stacks up? They're going to tell you which players they have rated higher than, of course not. It's, it's Bozo the Clown could have been the general manager. He could have. But they don't tell you anything, you know? It's all one big smoke screen. I, I think, to me, those pre-draft press conferences are the biggest waste of time, period. Talk to me after you make the pick. You know, tell me why you like this guy. Why this guy over that guy? What sold you on this player? That's, that's what we want to know. Not all the gobbledygook before. 
So anyway, Joe Shane, though, and I thought it was good that he was able to actually answer questions about Saquon because that, that to me, has more merit right now than anything with the draft. So Joe Shane was asked, where do things stand with Saquon? Not sure. I don't know what his plan is. I, I, haven't, I haven't talked to him in probably three weeks. Do you think he still wants to be on this team? I haven't talked to him. There you go. Haven't spoken in a few weeks. Do you expect him to be on the field come week one? Yeah, you have to ask him. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know what his plan is. I, I, haven't, I haven't talked to him in probably three weeks. All right, so he's sticking to the whole three-week thing. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's a reaching out thing to Saquon. Like, Saquon, call me. Miss you. Miss hearing you. Miss talking to you. Dexter Lawrence is also a guy that they need to figure out here because he's a big part of their team. Um, he needs a new long-term contract in a perfect world. Joe Shane was asked if he's spoken to Dexter Lawrence at all. So I talked to Dexter's representatives this week. We're in dialogues good there. So, yeah, I've, I've talked to him. Again, it's hard this time of year. We're, we're deep into the draft and the draft preps. But, yeah, we've had good conversations with Dexter's representatives, and, you know, we'll, we'll see where that stands here moving forward. It's a bad time, right? I mean, if you're trying to get a new contract done with players, like this is not the time to do it. Either do it before you get to the month of April or, you know, once all the draft stuff is in the background. So you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Now, if you're asking me what do I think is going to happen with Saquon and the Giants, I think he's going to have to play under the franchise tag this year. I don't know if they're going to be able to work something out. Apparently, you know, Saquon turned down somewhere in the neighborhood of about $13 million per. If that wasn't good enough, you really think the Giants are going to continue to sweeten their offer up from $13 million a year for a running back? Even though he was really, really good for them last year, and when he's on the field, he's really, really productive. I just think you're looking at the franchise tag. And I understand that, you know, as a fan, you get this emotional attachment to players, and you want them there for years and their entire career. But the reality is, if you're the Giants and you're, you know, conducting business right now, Best case scenario, Saquon, franchise tag for a year, has an unbelievable season again next year. Unbelievable season in 2023. And then if he wants to still get that big money contract, I mean, if the Giants are reluctant to give him the contract now, you really think they're going to be able to give him a lucrative deal or want to give him a lucrative deal one year further into his career as a running back who is one year older? One year removed from perhaps his best days? I don't know. Giants look at it as let's maximize the productivity of the player while we still can and while it's financially responsible for our team. Let's not dig ourselves into a hole with a bad contract. Those are some of the tough decisions you have to make when you're running a team. You have to. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. When we come back, we will set the scene for you on this Saturday and also, also, a little bit of a lineup hint as far as tonight's Devils-Rangers game is concerned at Madison Square Garden. Could be interesting. Dan Gross's show, 98.7 ESPN. Saquon, call me. Miss hearing you. Miss talking to you. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> number a couple of more minutes then we'll hand things over to anita she'll take you right up until three o'clock then our pal gordon damer from three to seven don lagreca a bridge program 30 minutes seven to seven thirty then he's got the pregame for you devils rangers a game number three 
8 p.m. Eastern right here on 98.7. And speaking of said hockey game between the Devils and the Rangers, remember we were talking about earlier, you know, if you're Lindy Ruff and the Devils, what can you do to maybe change momentum a little bit? And, and, and in hockey, of course, the first solution is always, well, do you make a goaltending change? And you didn't know because Vitek Vanacek, who was really good for the Devils all season long, but he has not been good in the first two games, the other two options the Devils have, neither one of them ever played in a playoff game before, in Mackenzie Blackwood and Akira Schmid. Well, according to those uh, media members who are taking in the morning skate at Madison Square Garden, Lindy Ruff said his goaltender will be a game-time decision, but if you want to base it off of any indicators, it is Akira Schmid who has his own net this morning at the skate, while Vitek Vanacek and Mackenzie Blackwood are sharing a net. So, might be looking at Akira Schmid tonight if you are a New York Rangers fan, and he is going to be the obstacle between you guys and a 3-0 lead in the best of seven. Look, I got no problem with it. I, I, I really don't because you got to do something. You just can't, you can't make this happen. And as I said, not that it's been all Vanacek's fault. The guys in front of him have not been very good either. But there is nothing in the rules that state that your goaltender can't stand on his head once in a while to make the spectacular save, to bail you out of situations, okay? That happens along the way in the playoffs. Steal you a game, maybe steal you around. Vanacek hasn't been up for the task. Let's see if maybe they got something lightning in a bottle with Akira Schmid. Hey, what would have been more unlikely, right? If Joey LaCasey could pitch the game he had last night for the Mets, you mean to tell me Akira Schmid can't go into Madison Square Garden tonight and maybe steal the Devils a victory against the Rangers? Never know. You never, never know. So you got that tonight as far as the local hockey is concerned. Islanders are back at it tomorrow to try to even up things at UBS 2-2 with the Carolina Hurricanes. Nets and Sixers, they're going to be coming up in a little over an hour out at Barclays, Nets trying to stay alive, trying to get themselves a trip back to Philly for a Game 5. No Joel Embiid, so that's big. We'll see what happens um, for the Brooklyn Knights. I think the Nets win. I think the Nets find a way to win, just get at least one under their belt, and then completely different story, of course, going back to Philly. Uh, it's only a matter of time before the Sixers put them to rest and move on to round number two. Yanks and Jays. They should get that one in out in the Bronx today. It'll be Garrett Cole against Alec Manoa. We'll see if there's any sort of carryover effect from the Vlad Guerrero hit-by-pitch in the ninth last night. These two division rivals clearly don't like each other. Mets with David Peterson a little bit later on this afternoon in San Francisco as they try to continue their winning ways against the Giants. That'll be a 4 o'clock start. And for you soccer buffs out there, you got the Red Bulls in Montreal at 7.30, NYCFC taking on Dallas uh, at 7.30 this evening as well. So, fun couple of days here in New York sports. Garden tonight with the Rangers. Garden tomorrow with the New York Knickerbockers. Then Garden again on Monday with a game number four for the Rangers and the Devils. And times like these, you think about all the lean years, right? And there have been a lot of them where the Knicks were eliminated essentially, you know, by the time Valentine's Day rolled around. You know, maybe the Rangers weren't necessarily, you know, having a great season. They were in their rebuild a few years ago after the letter, and it took them a little while to kind of make things right again. Well, not only have they made things right, they've established themselves as clearly a Stanley Cup contender. I think the Rangers are a little bit ahead in the curve than, let's say, the Knicks are in their respective sport. 
but still doesn't mean we can't have a lot of fun here in this city over the next couple of weeks. Firmly expect both of them to at least get to round number two, and then who knows what happens after that. That'll be all for me this morning. Thanks to Joe and Harvey. They did a great job, as always. Keep it tuned. Anita's next. I'll talk to you in a couple of days, everybody. Dan Gross is saying enjoy your weekend right here on 98.7 ESPN.